Welcome to the Pitting Combination Podcast. I'm KJ Pilcher alongside Dick Briggs, ready to talk a little college wrestling here on Wednesday, uh, Penn State week for uh, the University of Iowa. Um, and uh, we're getting ready for uh, Iowa, Iowa State, or sorry, uh, you and I in Iowa State uh, on Super Bowl Sunday, which has been moved up to 1 p.m., I believe. Um, to uh, uh, accommodate maybe some fans that want to catch uh, the duel and the Super Bowl um, on the same day. So uh, a lot of uh, a lot of busy things going on. Let's jump right in it. Uh, yes, so for me, oh, it'll be, for me, it'll be a catch the wrestling and the Super Bowl commercials. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I think how, how many people watch it for the commercials, right? Or for happening, whatever I don't know. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's jump into last week's uh, results. Uh, notably, uh, Iowa going to Michigan uh, and suffering their first loss of the season. Um, still gets me with Michigan at the time was like ranked twelfth or thirteenth. Um, that's a lineup that is much better than um, I think that ranking. Um, demonstrates, and they showed it. Uh, I think maybe it was a mix of Michigan wrestling well and Iowa being a little lackluster, to to be honest. Um, you know, no, I, we talked about it being a tough duel, but, you know, do you think this is more indicative of where Iowa is at, or was this just maybe an anomaly? Um, with the results, you know, I I've, I've kind of been hashing it back and forth in my in my mind a little bit, and and I, you're exactly right. I think Michigan's much better than than their thirteenth ranking. Uh, Iowa, I don't know that trip to Michigan. I don't know how you know how draining it might be for the team or whatever, and you know just having to do that, but uh, not making excuses. But Michigan got out to that big start at you know twenty five, and then again at forty one, and then. And uh, it just got the ball rolling, uh, you know, so uh, there's, you know, once that got going, I'm like, oh, no, this is not good. <clears throat> so I think you're right that, that uh, it's a little bit of Michigan. It's a little bit of Iowa. And I, I don't think they were looking past Penn State. You can never look past Michigan to anyone. No. And Michigan's always formidable. And, and uh, you've got to bring your best there. And Michigan certainly brought their best and they had a, inspired crowd and and uh you know the wrestlers were feeding off it and feeding the crowd so uh you know it was, it was a good atmosphere if you're a michigan fan yeah and when you look at what their lineup consists of you know uh, michael d'agostino with the win there at 125 2-1 and tiebreaker one he was ranked 12 so you look at the rankings and think oh that matches uh favorite however 125 has been topsy turvy all all season, right? Uh, Diagostino, um, you know, that's an all American uh type wrestler, ranked 12th. It's not your prototypical uh number 12 guy in the country. I think he's uh, you know, he's had seasons where you know he's been much better than that when he was at Northwestern and um. You know, that, that's a tough one. You've got Ragusin, who's ranked fourth uh, at 33. Austin Gomez has been added to the lineup at 149. He's 
you know, he's a top, uh, you know, five, six guy in the rankings that, you know, is a, uh, is he a Big Ten champ? Did he win a Big Ten title at Wisconsin, or was he a, just a finalist? I, I can't. I can't remember with him. I can't remember either. I'm not. I'm not sure. But but you understand where he's at. You know, Will Luhan. Uh, you know, he's ranked. He was ranked 12th, but you know, he's an All American candidate. Um, you've got Shane Griffith, who's a former NCAA champ in the lineup. You've got Davison um, at heavyweight that. Uh, is a is an all American, uh, two time all American maybe even, um, so you know we we just rattled off uh, five or uh, you know five top guy I mean highly ranked guys, you know that's a good team and then you know uh, you have a few upsets that get thrown in there, uh, most notably one forty one uh, Lumley. With a major, who would have saw that coming um, over real woods, you know? So a lot of the, this was a tough duel to begin with. And like you said, once things start rolling in Michigan's favor, um, that tide was hard to, to slow down. Right. And, I, and I'll start with my comments at, at 125 with uh, the, August, the Augustino. First of all, what a head of hair and beard. I mean, that guy looks like he's <laughs> Jeremiah Johnson era. So anyway, um, he, he's that guy's sneaky good. He's uh, like there was a takedown in, in sudden victory that was was not called, and then was reviewed. And honestly, man, I thought it was a takedown. So Ayala kind of dodged a bullet there, and then and then uh, Diagostino ended up riding, got getting the escape, and then riding out Ayala. He, he, I mean, he's a clingy type of guy leg on and you know looks like he's kind of in trouble but he seems to come out of it you know sort of a guy and and uh, got the win on tiebreaker two to one and uh you know to get him started there at 41 i have some questions you know first of all lemley got a big huge uh reversal and four point near fall in the second period that just, just busted the match open and we know that woods is not a a, a, an explosive wrestler that puts a lot of points on the board. So now he has to open up and kind of wrestle out of his comfort zone, in my opinion, and, uh, and gives up some more points and, and end up getting beat by uh, 14 to two score for a major. But so my big question there is Woods was out of the lineup. If you remember the week before, and they had uh, Teske in there wrestling up. And uh, so I don't know, maybe, you know, something, but, I don't know if he was hurt. I don't know why he was out of the lineup. Uh, if there was sickness or uh, what the issue was, maybe it was just you know, weight or just needed a rest or something. I don't know. But that makes me wonder if he was 100%. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think the uh, illness has kind of gone through the room a little bit. We saw it uh, previously. Um, Tom Brands mentioned uh, a few uh, lineup changes that were caused by that previously. Um, so, so that's my, um, that's my understanding right now. And I, and I'll just mention this about Woods. I know you mentioned that he doesn't put up a lot of points or, or whatever. Um, you know, he has, uh, last year, you know, he, uh, he threw up a lot, a lot of points, wrestled a lot, uh, a lot more 
uh, open this year. Um, you know, started out that way, but you know, probably about midway um, through December, uh, you kind of see things kind of um, kind of close up a little bit. I'm not I'm not including the Etchmendia uh, match. But, you know, he's got, uh, you know, four Tech Falls, um, you know, a uh, major decision. Now, I understand it might be a little more, there might be higher expectations from him. Um, you know, but he, he just hasn't looked, I don't think he's looked himself, looked like himself the last month or so, a month and a half. Um, yeah. He has had that pension. In the past, this year, just um, yeah, you're right. The the production just hasn't been there. Um, right. in, in his matches, you know, get, getting by, you know, five two, eight two, um, and not wrestling the uh, uh, last last weekend. Um, and I was just trying to trying to think here. Um, Teske did wrestle both matches at 141 uh, against Illinois and Northwestern, but and um, you know to be fair, you know, you know the he, he has that probably stiffer competition mid December on, which brings those you know matches a little tighter, um, a little, yeah. So you know, so um, but then again, I think you're right. Uh, expectations for him, probably from his coaches, and certainly from me. <laughs> yeah. you know, comfortably in my in my den is uh you know <laughs> he's the number one at the time the number one ranked guy we expect to see some points put on the board there and and uh you know so maybe i have you know expecting a little too much you know what i i think 157 is uh a weight class there too where you expect more from a number two ranked guy i mean this is another instance where he just let things stay so tight, so close. And I understand that Will Luhan is a stint, let's just say stingy wrestler too. Um, but we've talked about this before. The habit of keeping matches close was gonna bite was gonna bite him. It did against Minnesota and it did again uh with Michigan. Right. And that, that one came down to to an escape and uh, it was like a two or three second escape uh, because I think Frannick had had four seconds of riding time. And so Luan had to, if I remember right, had to get out within that four seconds and he did and and then uh, got the, the writing of uh, that point for the for the writing time, one or two okay. seconds that he had. So uh but that's again, Frannick keeping it close and, and not going out and hunting for it. And I mean, I just can hear, I and we can hear Mark Ironside probably just going, "We got to put more points on the board," sort of thing. Right. And I'm not. I, I'm with it with Mark on that. And and I know that those guys are trying. I don't need to you know, belittle them or anything. But uh, oh sure, we, we need to up that. I think that offensive production. Yep. Uh, I was really surprised with uh, uh, Kennedy and Griffith. Um, you know, I, I thought that certainly the way Kennedy had been wrestling, um, and, and I don't know, maybe that's another uh, residual effect. Maybe they do have 
a bug that's going through. I know uh, it is prevalent right now. Um, maybe that has something to do with it, but I know nobody uh, talking. Tom Brands had his press conference, and there there is absolutely no excuse or, or pointing towards anything other than the fact that they just got beat um, last week. So um, it'll, well, it'll be interesting to see how uh, things kind of turn around. Right. And, and I was looking at that match as well, because in my mind, Kennedy has been a, a rising star at, at uh, 74, you know, bumping up a weight and, and then, you know, was lower ranked Russell, right. Just to begin with and now they you know, climbed all the way up to eight. And then, but Shane Griffith's a different story. I mean, that's a defending or not defending a, a national champion. And was it two years ago? And, mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, that's a quality, quality wrestler. And even Griffith has, has struggled to, to at his level, you know, he hasn't been undefeated. I'll say. And, uh, uh, but you know, he, so, you know, you get in the Michigan setting, big meat upset bound that probably I said, I don't, I don't remember if that was the, the, the one that sealed the deal, but, uh, um, you know, so, it, but the, the, the separation in the match is what, what, uh, surprised me. I mean, it was a 12 to one, I think, was it? Yeah. 12 to one win and, uh, and, uh, lots of tilts on top and, or, it, you know, it's just, it was, it was, you know, one man and one that wants to be there, I guess. So, <laughs> right. Uh, two bright spots, uh, two of the bright spots, um, Aiden Riggins went in the second straight uh, match at 184 um, for the Hawkeyes. He uh, he won six to five uh, over Joseph Walker, um, and then uh, Zach Glazier um, remains unbeaten. He's 19 and 0 right now, 11 and 0 in duels. Um, he had a technical fall, and that brings his total to seven. Technical falls this season. Uh, he's got four majors and uh, two pins. So, thirteen of those nineteen victories have been bonus point victories. Um, you know that's uh, uh, that's pretty impressive. And to think, to think, he was one of the guys that fans or, or people might have been saying. Uh, that's a weak link. We need to, we need to find a replacement for him. And he's turned out to be uh, one of the best and most consistent uh, producers on this team. Right. Um, I'm going to back up to 84 to comment, quick comment there. Uh, that was an yeah. exciting match. Maybe one of the most, maybe the most exciting of the night, actually. Uh, Walker from Michigan is on top, has the legs on, and is trying to hit a guillotine and got way high and, and Riggins slipped through and, and got the reversal there and uh, ended up winning six to five in that match. It was a very exciting match. And then you're right at 97. I, Glazer's a little bit like Patrick Kennedy, kind of a rising star at, uh, at uh, 97, uh, currently ranked 11th. Uh, depends on what rankings you look at, I guess, but, but, uh, um, and, and uh, he's, you know, he's been, He's been my favorite to watch because he is aggressive and puts points on the board and, and looks looks fun. But we're going to find out for sure where he's at. <laughs> you know, is he's wrestling maybe the best wrestler in America right now. So, uh, right. college wrestler anyway, um, and Aaron Brooks. And so um, we're going to find out just 
how what the separation is between Glacier and and Brooks right now, eleven and number one. So uh, yeah, more to that actually. And you know, I think the prevailing uh, opinion about one ninety seven is that Brooks is here. Then there's a clump of individuals down here, right? That you could, you know, you could shake up in a, you know, in a Yahtzee cup and roll the dice and it would come out different. Uh, the order will come out different just about every time that you uh, roll it. The thing that I want to see is, you know, see how Glacier does now against Brooks and compare that to how the other wrestlers have done against Brooks and we'll get maybe a little bit of uh, clear focus of where he's at, you know. Right. And I'm sure Zach Glacier is going in to win this match, right? Oh, yeah. Um, right now, I'm thinking a win would be Gravy, you know. A hard-fought if, – if you're a hard-fought competitive match – I think is just as as big um, because it really maybe cements this is where you're at. Um, you know, you you are an all American caliber uh, wrestler against the competition that's at 197 this year, based off how competitive you might have been. If it's you know. Uh, a blowout, you know, which Aaron Brooks has the ability to do that against anybody, to be honest. Then you kind of wonder, okay, where is he really at right now? Mm-hmm. You know, and you just the verdicts may be still out, even though right now I, I think uh, outside of maybe one or two, he can compete with just about anybody. Right, I hundred percent agree with you. A victory can be had in defeat. And so sure. he can, with that, he can put himself up in the, up in the rankings, with the you know, or at least in the minds of the pollsters there, so he can get a higher, you know, a higher ranking, higher seed. I mean, he's going to have opportunities to wrestle him down the road as well at Big Tens, as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, but um, you know, if, if he gets blown out, I don't know that he'll lose a whole lot. Yeah, sure, a little bit, but because I think everyone gets blown out by Brooks. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's another one where. You know, even in defeat, we can have a victory there. So, uh, looking at uh, the matchup, you know, it's pretty pretty straightforward with what you're going to get from Penn State. You've got uh, Braden Davis, Nagao, Bo Bartlett, who has now moved up to number one after uh, Woods' setback at Michigan. Uh, Tyler Kask, um they removed the red shirt off him at 149, so he'll be in there uh, against Caleb Rachi, who's getting the uh, the call um, at 49. Colin Schriever going again at 133 for Iowa. Um, the only uh, either or in Iowa's lineup is Ben Keeter and, and Bradley Hill, which I would fully expect Bradley Hill to go. Um, against Kirk Vallette. To be honest with you, if, if you want to get a really good gauge on Keeter, Davison would have been um, maybe a better uh, 
opportunity to wrestle a top-notch guy than throwing him in against Kirk Vallette, um with only two matches under his belt. Um, so I expect Bradley Hill uh, to go there. Uh, the rest of the Penn State lineup, everybody knows. Haynes, Messenbrink, Starouchi, Bernie Truax, Brooks, Kirk Vallette. So uh, you know what you're going to get from Penn State. Uh, there's not going to be any moving around or, or, you know, decisions there. I mean, that's just a straightforward lineup and, you know, looks like Iowa's, I know 33, 49 still kind of up in the air. Um, but I think we're getting closer and closer to Shriver, uh, being the guy there. Um, and I think right now Rachi's a little bit ahead of Voinovich, but you know, uh, whoever's in the lineup going forward before the postseason is going to have to produce, and this would be a good chance for Rachi to kind of uh, cement his place, I guess, uh, with a good showing here. Right, I would agree with you at thirty-three and forty-one that Shriver and Rachi are the are the guys now, and. Uh, you know, Teske and and Voinovich um, are not far behind, but and they're right there, ready to go. But I don't right now. If they're throwing them in last week and this week, uh, I think that's pretty pretty big statement that that's probably your lineup. Sure, um, sure. And I agree with you at heavyweight also that I think Hill will wrestle. I don't think Keeter will. And uh, um, I just, I, you know, he hasn't had enough time to to you know on the mat really to you know unless it was absolutely necessary. You know, I think that if a guy ends up wrestling for four years at Iowa and he's given this year to prepare for it, he could be a, you know, he could be in the hunt for, you know, a title that first year. So and then who knows what after. Sure. Okay. So over under how many matches uh, will Iowa win in this duel? Uh, honestly, it could go anywhere from really from zero to, Four. I don't know. I don't see Iowa State, or I don't see Iowa State. I don't see Iowa beating Penn State. Um, I, 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 I think, I think they might win two. You know, two so matches. That's, yeah. I mean that, and those are going to have to be hard-fought battles. That's Penn State. They're just so good up and down the line. Sure. Yeah. That. Right now, looking at things, I think Iowa comes away with. I'm going to give some some people benefits of the doubt here. Uh, I don't know. I'll go with three. I'll go with three matches. Um, I think you get wins at 25, 41, and 65. Um, I, you know, if Frantic hadn't kind of run into – couple losses here I would have liked his chances against Levi Haynes but right now I just don't see that being the case I think 49 could be uh, a toss up if Rachi wrestles the way he did at the Soldier Salute um, but right now that's uh, uh, I have to lean towards uh, Kasich um, so kind of going down the lineup uh, Davis and Ayala, who would you take? Well, that's one of my ones that I was favoring Iowa, so I'm going to Ayala. Okay. 
Uh, I agree there. Uh, Nagao and Shriver. Uh, I was going with Nagal. Okay. Uh, Woods and Bartlett. Uh, I'm going with Woods despite uh, last week. Um, you know, if he's healthy, uh, I, I think he gets a win here. And I was going also with Woods. It was one one versus two, no matter what happened last week. So uh, mm -hmm. it's just flip flop. So let's flip flop it again after this week. So uh, Rachi and uh, Kasich at forty nine. Yeah, I I'd love to see Rachi step it up, but I don't think he's quite there yet. So not Rachi, uh, Kasich. Okay, Kasich. And then at fifty seven, uh, you know, Fran, you got number one Levi Haynes against Franick, who's uh, right around the number five. Five six area um, in the rankings after being number two for a long time. What yeah. do you have there? I Haynes. I'd go Haynes. Um, you know, I think maybe uh, prior to the Minnesota meet, I might have I might have said Franick, but you know, a couple of those losses. Um, yeah. It, not comfortable there. Uh, then 165, uh, I, I'm picking Caliendo um, over uh, Messenbrink. And this is my, in case we don't win one at 25 or 41, we're going to win it here. <laughs> 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 this is my safety net to, to at least win two. So uh, to me, this one's a bit of a toss-up. So I, since I said two, I have to go with Penn State, but – but my, like I said, it's my fallback because I think I think uh, that uh, Caliendo can and probably will win that. So um, we'll see. And we can agree, uh, Penn State heavy favorites in the four heaviest weights, regardless of who goes. Yep. Dorochi, Truax, Brooks, and Kirk Ballett there. So that'll be Friday at eight p.m. Um, at. Uh, Carver Hawkeye Arena. So, if you're looking for something to do Friday evening, uh, that'll be a good, good opportunity to see. It sounds like uh, tickets are are becoming hard to come by. So, um, should be a full house on on Friday. Um, let's move over to the Big Twelve. Um, fairly. Quiet weekend for uh, Iowa State. You and I, they had West Virginia that came through town um, over the weekend. Um, Iowa State hosted West Virginia on Friday and won 29-11. Uh, you and I beat West Virginia 26-12 on Sunday um, in Cedar Falls. So uh, two, um Two pretty dominant wins for for both of them. Uh, kind of what was expected, wouldn't you say? Well, you know, you, funny you say you say quiet weekend. I say quiet weekend for Iowa State, number four ranked Iowa State to beat number seventeen ranked West Virginia. I'm not so quiet for number eighteen you and I to beat number okay. seventeen West Virginia, particularly twenty six to twelve. So uh, quiet for Iowa State. I think <laughs> I, uh, you and I has a lot to cheer. Uh, uh, you know, obviously both, you know, nice wins, but, but 26, 12, and they beat some, uh, some ranked kids along the way to do it. So, uh, 
There's a nice, some nice victories there. On the UNI West Virginia side, particularly that stands out is uh, Kale Happel again. How about that guy? I love that. <laughs> yep. Um, Happel uh, got a big major decision over number 11, Jordan Titus. Um, at 141, I I guess I just say quiet mainly because even with the rankings, I expect I thought you and I was a just a much better team than West Virginia to begin with. And you um, were right. <laughs> you know, I I guess I kind of expected that, but with you mentioning, you know, rankings wise, yeah, you know that's a um, that's a notable victory for for you and I, especially winning uh, handily. Um, but yeah, Kale Happel, uh, um, big win over a ranked guy. Uh, Julian Farber with a technical fall at one thirty-three. That was, uh, you know, I, I think uh, Farber is somebody just to keep an eye on um, as a, as the season nears the postseason. Um, I think he could uh, shock some people once the uh, conference tournament starts. Um, Wyatt Volker, uh, and, uh, Terrell Gordon, uh, they closed with, uh, consecutive wins and mentioned that, uh, Volker, you know, this is his third straight conference win. He had wins at, uh, Oklahoma state and Oklahoma, and now, uh, a win against West Virginia. So, you know, Volker is, uh, uh, kind of having a good stretch right now and, uh, you know, good for Terrell Gordon, who won in overtime, uh, got takedown in the near fall uh, to close that out. Of course, Parker Keck eyes in with a tech fall at 184. Um, kind of take that for granted. Um, at AJ, this point. did you see the end of uh, 174, Jared Sima? I um, did not see that. Oh, my gosh. That. He was down and he got, he, he was just kept after it, kept after it, kept after it, got the takedown right right in front of the buzzer and, and ended up winning five to four. So he uh, beat the 17th ranked uh, Brody Conley. So that was a big upset for him and a really nice relentless attack at the end. That was fun. That's, and that's awesome. And that's the kind of thing I think that's, you know, uh, I think that that's, what's going to help them in, in the postseason. you know, that type of, uh, wrestling that relentless style that you know when you get there sometimes you know it, it it's more heart than it is skill um you know especially when you're getting to those matches where if you win you you get an automatic berth or if you lose you're on the outside looking in and sometimes stuff like that makes a huge difference so um excited to see you know, you and I and their approach, their attitude, the way they wrestle, um, you know, when the postseason comes around. Because I think this is, you know, I think this is a, a group that's a lot better than what their dual record indicates. And I think in the postseason, um, I think there's, I think they have some big things ahead of them. Right. And, uh, I mean, Keck guys. But big things, I mean, like top 10, top 12, you know, anywhere from a 10 to 12, you know, 13. Right. 14 type finish. You know, you know, you know they want top 10 for sure. 
The uh, yeah. but Kekeisen has just been so dominant all year long. I mean, he's wrestled a lot of ranked guys, and it has not been close. Uh, right. Other than the All Star meet that was kind of he took, you know one in the with a takedown in the last uh, in the third period, but he's just he's been getting better and better and better. He, he does not sit around and wait for you know to try and win close matches. I just love watching that guy wrestle. Yeah, I, I mean, we've said this before. I think. I think he is um, the most entertaining wrestler that I think the uh, the three Iowa teams has right now. I think David Carr is a, mm-hmm. uh, a close second. Bastida's there as well. Um, you know, so you know it's it's fun to watch them. Um, you know, when it comes to Iowa, you, you know, when Woods is on top of his game, he's there as well. Right now, Zach Glazier has been the most consistent when it comes to putting up a lot of points. You know, I think Caliendo is pretty, pretty slick and, and Kennedy, um, you know, when he, when he's on and he's got that, uh, that brawling grinder kind of effect, um, like watching him wrestle too, but. I tell you right now, I think Keck Eisen is the most uh, entertaining wrestler to watch. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm going to bump over to Iowa State side for a minute. A couple of things. First of all, Swiderski keeps impressing. You know, he's just back last week, I think, and then he beat number seven, uh, Ty Water, uh, Waters, uh, in, uh, seven to four in a sudden victory. And then, uh, um, um, then uh, did you see who was in the lineup at 184? Yes, Tate Nakaborn. I think that's his first first uh, varsity. If I'm, unless I missed one somewhere. <coughs> I think so too. Um, couple other things that kind of stand out for Iowa State. Cody Chatham back in the lineup. He had some concussion issues, according to Kevin Dresser. That's why he didn't make the Oklahoma trip. But he's back in there, um, and he got a major decision at 157. Uh, and then MJ uh, Gaetan, you know, that's a guy that, uh, you know, he's a he's a big move guy, and he could stun a lot of people. And, you know, you mentioned uh, Simo with the win over Conley, and uh, Gaetan uh, got a pin in 38 seconds there. So, you know, big moves from – uh, from him and and getting a pin there against a, a higher ranked wrestler, so good for him and and also uh, Evan Frost uh, uh, with a tech fall at at one thirty three. Um, you know, we we really should be in store for a really fun duel on Sunday. Yeah, I agree. I haven't I haven't looked at the matchups real close, so um, I I. Not, if we pick them or whatever, we're gonna, it's going to be like <laughs> off the top of my head here. Sure. Well, first off, you and I goes to Cal Baptist on Friday and then turns around and comes back home and wrestles Iowa State on Sunday. Does that affect things at all? Cal Baptist is away? You're right. It is away. Oh, my God. At Cal Baptist at Riverside, California on, on February 9th and then 
turn around two days later and wrestle at Ames uh, in Hilton Coliseum. I think that is a fact. That's less than twenty or forty-eight hours. That's uh, eight p.m. on a Friday, one p.m. on a Sunday. Now, right? Throw in any jet lag both ways. I don't know. Geez, I think that is a factor. I th- I thought it was at home, the Cal Baptist. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So that's. I think that could weigh on you and I. So for sure. Um. Just kind of looking at the series here. Um, since uh, December 2006, Iowa State has a 14 to 4 advantage. Um, you and I just one in six at Hilton Coliseum. Um, during that stretch, uh, Iowa State won uh, last year, uh, last February 19 to 12. Um, so, you know, right now, uh, Iowa State's ranked fourth uh, behind Penn State, Okie State, and uh, in Iowa. Um, I still think this will be a fun duel, but uh, certainly uh, Iowa State, uh, the favorite um, coming in. Right. I think you and I could. There's just some close matches. Or at least in terms of ranking, some close matches on paper. The uh, you know United's favored in a couple, I would guess. But but uh, I think probably you could see you and I maybe winning four or five matches in this duel and being right in it. So um, you know you will see. I mean, I mean obviously they're not going to be favored with Carr or Bastida. Uh, right. Probably a couple of you know two or three others. But but uh, you and I, I think would be favored. I mean, I think both could probably be favored at 97. I think, obviously, uh, uh, Kekaisen will be favored. Um, Happel will be favored. And, you know, throw Downey in there. and Maybe the 25-pound matches, a toss-up matches. So, it, you know, it could be a pretty fun duel. Yeah. You know, looking uh, – I think Terrakina um, for Iowa State, uh, I think he's a favorite there. 33, even though Frost is uh, the favorite, I'm telling you, I think uh, Farber, I wouldn't be surprised if there's an upset there or Farber uh, battles really close with him. Um, you know, it depends on uh, uh, who uh, who wrestles for Iowa State at 41. Um, Etchemendia did not wrestle in the West Virginia duel. Uh, Sam Robowski did. Um, even if Edgeman D is in there, Apple, uh, yeah, I think it's a toss up with Apple being a slight favorite. Um, 49, uh, Swiderski, 157. You know, the way that Downey's wrestled, I think that's a toss up with Chittum. Um, like you mentioned, Carr, uh, a favorite there. Um, 74, I think Gatan would be favored. Like you and I in the next two, and then Bastida. So, um, you know, really, that's kind of a for the most part of the duel. That's a back and back and forth affair. Um, you know, you get one one extra win out of that, or or you know, some bonus points here or there. 
that's uh that's pretty big right and i i you uh, i would say uh, when you were calling it i would say iowa state favored in three matches that could be could swing the other way so yep. you're exactly right yep. i agree i agree that, that should be fun the only thing I do question is why is it scheduled on Super Bowl Sunday? Yeah. Even though they even though they moved it up um to try to avoid the conflict, it's still Super Bowl Sunday. Uh I think a lot of people understand that, you know, there are fans, there are people that uh have Super Bowl parties that start at eleven AM. Um you know, uh so you're you're risking not having a good turnout uh, because of that. And, of course, it, I don't know how the Big 12 does it. I just know the Big 10, the conference office, does the conference scheduling. So schools are at, uh, uh, you know, are at their uh, uh, discretion. So they don't have a, a say in it. Maybe Iowa State and you and I don't either. Um, given the kind of the wonky weekend, especially for you and I, right? I was gonna say they can't bump it up much more because you and I is traveling, and I don't, I, yeah. I don't know, I don't know how they'll travel if it's commercially or whatever. But I guess they would fly into Ames straight from California, and uh, I would think and stay overnight, right? You know, so that would help a bit. But uh, you know, you got to hold your weight down, and you got to, you know. I mean, don't forget these guys are students as well. They're missing right. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, it's a tough weekend to be able to. To I mean, I don't know that you can't have it after the Super Bowl. Heck, the Super Bowl lasts from eleven a.m. till <laughs> right. It'll be late at night when it's finally uh, when it usually gets over anyway. Yeah. So, uh, let's. Unless you have any other uh, uh, comments about Iowa State, uh, you and I, um, let's take a look at uh, some of the other happenings. I know uh, D3 had a big American Rivers Conference um, duel with Wartburg and uh, Co. Uh, top five matchup there between those two schools, but uh, boy, ended up uh, uh, pretty much a one-sided affair. Yeah, I watched that one, and uh, it was it was one team out there wrestling and one team out there not wrestling, basically. Uh, what I understand is uh, after the meet, Co had an extra workout over in the <laughs> track, so uh, somebody was not real happy, huh? I don't think so. Nope. So uh, forty to three, I don't know how they could be. And even in that three, I talked to Esh Will the next day, and he wasn't happy. You know, he kind of hung on and kind of to win that match. I think it was six to five or something, but, mm -hmm. but uh, he was ahead considerably. Nine to six, nine to six, actually. Ten to six. Yeah. So anyway, he was ahead and was, uh, um, he wasn't happy with his finish either. So um, anyway, they're off to Cornell for the big Bremner cup. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yep. So, yep. Baron Bremner cup. Yep. Of course, uh, that's for the, the wrestling coach AD that, uh, um served at both um institutions so um kind of the one maybe the only thing that Cole and Cornell uh share together with uh with good feelings and 
and stuff. Uh, but yeah, the well, that, that that KJ and the first basket that scored on a in a basketball game, men's basketball. Do they still do that with the toilet paper? Uh, the toilet paper, I I don't know if they still. I, I'm assuming they do. I haven't seen it for uh, a long time. Um, but I, I assume that they still do uh, throwing the toilet paper out on the first basket. <laughs> I think each doesn't each team have to take the home team have to take a technical or something like that. I think so. Yeah, but that's well, kind of a neat tradition if they still do it. If not, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Warburg has won thirty nine straight against Cole, which uh, um, boy, that's kind of hard to. Uh, imagine, but that's how long the streak is. Um, and Warburg leads the series 52 to six all time. Uh, the interesting thing is, uh, the conference dual title still up in the air right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> because Cole with the lost Co is at six and one, Warburg is at seven and oh. Uh, Loris, however, is also six and one. It's one loss has come to Coe. So Warburg uh, wrestles at Loris uh, Friday. If Loris were to pull the upset, which I think is highly unlikely, it would cause a three-way tie at 6-1 and one in the American Rivers Conference and stuff. So Coe still uh, able to, to get a share of the title um, if things work out that way. But I, I think it's a safe bet that uh, – the win against Cole pretty much all but secured uh, the Knights Conference uh, Championship. Oh, yeah. They're heads and above everyone else in the conference. And they probably have that same record against a whole lot of teams in the conference. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Against Cole, yeah. Yeah. Uh, kind of a doozy up in Dubuque for the what are the, the key, what do they call it? The, the key lock? Or? The key city rivalry. Key city rivalry. There we go. Between Loris and the UD, Loris ended up winning that 22 to 20 and had seven bonus points in four matches, which is the difference in the in the meet. So uh, Loris pulled that one out. And like we said, Dubuque's a much improved team. So that's a nice showing. But I know they're, got, they're not happy with, with the loss at all there. I'm sure they wanted to win. So uh, um, like you said, Loris wrestles Warburg next. Uh, which is usually a, a kind of the, you know, had had been for quite a number of years the for the conference championship. It kind of still is, but it's not. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep. Um, Loris is the only team in the last 30 years to win a conference duel against Warburg. Right. I think the one prior to that was Buena Vista, wasn't it? What, what, what's cool? Yeah. Look at that cup there. Uh, BV, is that <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. So, just a coincidence there. However, uh, BV wins over Warburg are not coming anytime soon. Um, but back in February of 93, 94, February of 94 is when uh, Warburg or BV beat Wartburg and Storm Lake and then Wartburg went on its run until Loris snapped it uh, a handful of years ago um, 
but it's been Wartburg ever since. So, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, go ahead. Luther also beat Central twenty-one to seven, and and they were uh, won six matches to four, and Bill Russell BB next on Thursday. So, uh, want to mention uh, Upper Iowa with uh, a win this weekend as well. Um, they defeated Minnesota State twenty-four thirteen. Um, a senior day up at uh, uh, Dorman Gymnasium. Uh, I believe. Uh, but the thing that kind of interests me here is that uh, this is a non-conference duel now. Uh, yeah. Upper Iowa has moved to the Great Lakes uh, Valley Conference, um, not in the, the Northern Sun anymore. Of course, these two had some some battles in the, the Northern Sun um, seasons in the past. And, of course, they kept that. Uh, rivalry together for this um but upper iowa wins 24 13 uh they got a pin from trayton ackerman at 125 uh james davis followed with a major decision um and tate murdy uh also with a win eric fought chase lensman uh with back-to-back -back majors at 57 and 65 and then Coulter by uh, the prep from Presswood uh, with a decision um, to pretty much uh, seal things there. So uh, I think a, a solid win from Upper Iowa. Right. It's and uh, Mankato State used to be in the Midwest Conference way back oh, huh. in the 70s when you and I was still in that conference. In North oh, wow. I, didn't, I never knew that. Yeah. And, uh, so we got to go up and wrestle there, and their coach was a guy named Rummy Macius. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, anyway, we had some fun fun battles there. You and I always would win, it seemed like. But they were, they were a great team back then, Mankato State was. And uh, Anyway, so that was, there was some fun things going on there. Um, they're 7-4 they're and four on the season now, so they're having a good season up where I was. And uh, – mm -hmm. Their next competition is McKendry University, and I had to—I wasn't sure where McKendry was. Can you tell me where that is? Um, well, I know it's in Illinois. Yep, you're right. Um, Lebanon, Lebanon, Illinois. Lebanon, Illinois. Yep. So, so they're ranked ninth as a tournament team and sixteenth as a dual team. So they're six and four in duels, which tells me they've got some pretty darn good individuals, but they're not very balanced. To be so, you know, nine and sixteen, so um, could depend on uh, could depend on those matchups and bonus points there. Exactly. Yep. So if you can if you can get if you can rack up a pin against one of you know one of those weaker weights, um, that'll that'll help your chances. Um, and it could be how much you don't give up. Sometimes we saw that at the state duels. Um, right this last weekend that with duels uh, avoiding bonus points or limiting bonus points can be just as crucial as getting them. Especially right. here. If you know, you've got, uh, got to line up with some holes, get them while you can, if you're the, the opposition. Absolutely. And you, and you know, you have to, as a coach, you kind of have to discuss that behind the scenes, maybe, you know, in the office or, you know, with the, with the, 
wrestler that has that weak, maybe that weaker weight, you need to get bonus points or something. You can't really come out and say that out in the wrestling room because you, because the guy you're not saying it to is going to be going, what about me, coach? Yeah. <laughs> you, you're just fine, buddy. You're <laughs> off your back. <laughs> so yep. you kind of have to do that with discretion, but you certainly do have those. I think you have those conversations, you know, at least at the college level for sure. For sure. For sure. Any, uh, anything else from the college scene that uh, kind of stands out to you or, or you want to touch on? Uh, just briefly at the Grandview Open, the women's wrestling, uh, Iowa did have two champs, Felicity Taylor and Bella Mir at 116 and 155. They had two, uh, two other place winners, J.C. Fuller at 191 was second, and Lily Luft was third at 136. Um, two other Iowa champs at that tournament, Grand Views. Uh, Crystal Warner was, was uh, first at 143, and Indian Hills Community College. Uh, Emma, uh, let's see, uh, uh, Elena, sorry, Elena Bomber, uh, Bomberito, was first at 235. Sorry about that. My, I can't read my own writing. <laughs> so anyway, I said, uh, it was nice to see those other Iowa champs there. Mm -hmm. For sure. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that because I know the uh, uh, regionals are coming up here uh, pretty soon. And, of course, the uh, uh, national championships, the uh, NCWWC or, and yeah, I think NCWWC, uh, tournament here in Cedar Rapids at uh, uh, early in March. So we're getting closer and closer to uh, postseason for college women's wrestling. I'm glad you remembered the NCWWs or whatever it is. I, I think I, I, there's so many of them out there anymore. <laughs> I don't and I'll get I get the uh, letters uh, uh, mixed up sometimes. I'll be I'll be a hundred percent honest about that. Uh, NCWWC, just uh, just to confirm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, this uh, this is a good good a time as any to tee it up, and let's hear what you have with teeing it up with Briggs. All right, teeing it up. Remember, this is a rant or a rave or both or whatever. So today it's it's a little it's certainly not a, a a rant. It's just this. The, st the state of wrestling participation in Iowa. That's my, that's my, uh, the, uh, the theme today. So I believe that at all levels of wrestling, both high school, boys, high school, girls, high school, men's college, women's college, it's at its highest participation ever. Uh, uh, you know, as we know, the girls high school wrestling has skyrocketed the last couple of years and it's going to continue to do that. Uh, and, you know, as those young programs build and the, the coaches are out there recruiting and, uh, you know, even at the, the youth level, uh, it's just going to get bigger and bigger. Uh, with the number of, of states that continue to sanction the high school girls wrestling uh, increasing, we're going to see the number raise in college as well. You know, I, and I'd love to see, it, you know, we're seeing it at the D3 and the NAIA level and junior college level, but not yet at that D1 level. So let's hope that some other schools, a lot of other schools will, uh, will jump on board and join the University of Iowa. Um, Flow Wrestling recently reported that participation in high school wrestling nationwide during the 2022-23 season topped 300,000. This is combined boys and girls now. 
for the first time in 46 years. That's since 1978. So the wow. numbers were 305,593 to be exact. And 256,466 of that was boys and 40, just, just under 50,000 was girls. So we're, uh, we're certainly holding our own in Iowa and particularly in Eastern Iowa. So our numbers seem to be good. Um, mm -hmm. uh, even on the teams that aren't having a lot of success, we're not seeing as many forfeits along the way. KJ, I don't know if you've noticed that. Uh, within, the, within the three state universities, uh, well, with the three state universities ranked in the top 20, two of them in the top five, at least last week. Uh, and uh, Iowa certainly is holding its own at the D1, uh, D1 level on the national mm -hmm. level. Uh, and then you throw in the D2 schools up right. We talked about them ranked 15th. The five, five, one time this year, we had five D3 schools ranked in the top 25. And then, of course, Grandview, you know, their success at NAI. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Russell's flexing its muscles at, at, you know, at all levels at, 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 uh, in Iowa. So, bravo. I'm going to end it with this. Now, let's, let's hope that the NIL and the transfer portal doesn't eradicate the sport as well as some other sports, because I'm worried about that. So, that's good news. We're looking good. Uh, how, how do you think the transfer portal and NIL will negatively affect the sport? Well, I think not just wrestling, but all sports. I think what you're going to see is schools like you and I, that mid-major, pick a sport. Uh, they're going to get picked apart. They're going to, you know, the co coaches are going to recruit high school kids at the, at the, Big D1 levels, unless you're just the superior athlete, you're probably not going to get the NAI, NIL deal because of the transport portal. Coaches are going to go out and pick it from other programs and and uh, um, and, and fill their team that way. So the, the graduating seniors are going to get gypped a little bit. And uh, and those mid-major schools are going to get people you know, plucked. And, and it's not that they're going to go out and – actively recruit those those kids on those programs are going to go out and put themselves in the position to be contacted with that portal so um at least i hope not actively and otherwise that's illegal and very shady and i hope it doesn't come to that yeah um, this is this is this is going to get me in trouble with people i think um so i've got to i've got to word this carefully um i i don't know i i'm a big structured person i understand student athletes rights and what makes them happy and and stuff like that i also think the transfer portal is an is an example uh in <clears throat> not so much nil um because you should be able to profit off your your name, image, likeness. I think some of the rules before were silly, <clears throat> not necessarily maybe packages or ways to you know receive <clears throat> funds. Um, but like going out to a camp, like before they couldn't use your your face on their camp brochure, um, and get certain amount of money with your face on, you know, you should be able to do that. Okay. That's not what I'm saying with this. Uh, as far as the transfer portal, I understand athletes rights and, 
you know, their ability to find a, a, a place that makes them happy. And, you know, you're holding a 17, sometimes even, you know, a 16, 17 year old to commitment and signing when three years later, things are totally different, but the transfer portal is almost the example of the inmates running the asylum mm-hmm. where now the authority coaches have, they don't have because he's going to leave. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't like it. He'll, he'll find someplace. Um, at least that's what the theory is. He'll, he'll, you know, you don't do what I want. I'll hit the bricks and go somewhere that'll give me a little scratch and I can train and do as I please. And, you know, they'll take my results over not having me uh, compared to you, you know, trying to get me to do something I don't want to do. I think it holds, kind of holds coaches hostage a little bit. Um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is a good thing because coaches have to adapt and, and adjust uh, things. But I also think it teaches, teaches people you don't like something instead of making it better you take off and leave you know and and run away from the situation instead of trying to work and uh improve and get over it you know i think those are two aspects of the the portal that i really really don't like and uh you've already seen it and i also i also whenever i think of the transfer portal i think of gino oriam as a notre dame fan uh, not my favorite guy because he always used to uh, beat Muffet McGraw and, and her teams, but he always talked about how many people hitting the transfer portal and then they're always looking for something better or, uh, you know, the greener grass. And he's like, there's thousands of athletes in the portal there aren't that many spots that are open for those athletes. So they're chasing something that's not really there. Now, when you have all Americans like Jared Franick and uh, Michael Caliendo, and you have an all American like Will Feldkamp, there are going to be doors open for you, but there are going to be a lot of other guys that hit the portal looking for something better and they're not going to find it. I think that's one of the ramifications or, or the the negative influences that the portal, like you mentioned, could really be a detriment to uh, the sport. So I really feel like the NCAA was trying to protect the whole business of college athletics by not necessarily promoting that uh, NIL and the transfer portal, they kind of got forced into it. But, I, you know, if you look, I kind of go back and we, we have a model. It's, you know, professional athletics. I kind of go back to like George Steinbrenner when he first started, you know, <laughs> that. And, and all of a sudden with, with, you know, I don't remember the details with Steinbrenner, but, but, uh, and the Yankees, but, you know, that's kind of the, in my mind, the start of it. And then the uh, wages, for those professional athletes just is through the roof. I mean, is there really an athlete that's worth $160 million? You know, I think, isn't that, wasn't that one of the last big uh, 
contracts or something like that. But anyway, over a hundred million, you know, at least multiple times for sure. And now, now it's trickling down into college athletics. And honestly, I think we're going to lose out college athletics because there's some schools that cannot compete with that. And uh, I'm worried. So I hope I'm worried for nothing, but it's, it's scary. Well, let's, uh, let's discuss uh, uh, high school wrestling now. Um, the girl season has concluded with the uh, second annual Iowa Girls High School Athletic Union State Championships uh, last Thursday and Friday at Extreme Arena in Coralville. Um, uh, exciting event. They're sold out the opening session uh, again. Uh, had over 3,600 uh, fans in attendance for the finals on Friday night. Um, you know, had a new team champion, uh, you know, since the inception of uh, these tournaments going back to the IWCOA events. Uh, Waverly Shellrock has won every team title, including last year's inaugural sanctioned tournament. Um, and this year, Decora. Decora comes away with a team championship. A uh, couple finalists, the champ and Naomi Simon, who won her second Iowa Girls High School Athletic Union title and became a four-time champ when adding in the uh, Iowa Wrestling uh, Coaches and Officials Association uh, State Tournament Championships uh, her first two years. So that was an exciting feat. Um uh, for her and uh, girls wrestling as a whole, but uh, just overall a fun, fun tournament that uh, at one time uh, became maybe even more unpredictable than uh, the boys tournament um, in the Moines has been. Well, in, in what respect? Well, just some of the uh, upsets. Oh, you know, yeah. You know, one of the things uh, I've always said about Des Moines was that the one the one predictable thing is that the unpredictable will happen. You know, you'll have guys come out of nowhere and get wins or go on a run. Um, you know, you, you'd see that a lot more with the random draw uh, compared to, to kind of the, the seeded brackets that you have now where you get somebody on one side of the bracket and uh, have matchups and be wrestling Saturday night that you didn't really think, you know, or you get in a first round upset um, or what have you. But here there, there was like a, at the, at the girls tournament this year, there was, there was a stretch where like three defending state champs, Lost one. One of them was a medical forfeit, but it was like, you know, three number one seated wrestlers lost in consecutive uh, matches. It was it was crazy at, at one point. Um, to me, I would expect oh maybe seventy five percent of the top seeds to be wrestling. You know, maybe even more uh, eighty eighty five percent. And it was just a little over 50% um, of the number one seeds that uh, 
that wrestled in the finals. So yeah. uh, I, I think that that's what I meant by uh, kind of the, the unpredictability uh, has risen um, now. And I think that's a testament to uh, better wrestling as a whole from one through 32. Right. And if you're, I, I think a, re, a, a result of that is because with the girls, you know, they're still kind of in their infancy or maybe they're adolescent era. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that is, uh, you know, they're, you, you, yeah, you've got good quality wrestlers wrestling each other, but they're still making mistakes. Um, and you, I mean, you get that in the boys, but not to that extent, I don't think yet. You, you're pretty balanced across the board with the boys. Uh, with the girls, you know, you, you can still have an you know an undefeated wrestler get turned over on the back and pinned, and and that's that. And, and uh, you know, and you see that. You know, I I got to officiate quite a number of women's wrestling or girls wrestling as well as boys. So, um, and I'm still seeing that on the girls girls side. There's still that gap in in uh, you know even with your quality wrestlers there you know they can uh you know get like i said get turned and beat so um i am not su i'm surprised but not surprised uh with that and and i wasn't sure if you were speaking individually or team wise which i guess oh team, so yeah yeah and here's here's the stretch that i was kind of referring to uh on thursday night um you had uh molly uh Molly Sack of Sioux City North was a returning state finalist. She was the number one seed at 115. Um, in the semifinals last year, she uh, won by technical fall over Sylvia Garcia Vasquez from West Liberty. Um, Garcia Vasquez wrestled her in the quarterfinals. It was the number one seed versus number nine, I believe. Um, and uh, Vasquez was up 14-10 when she pinned Sack um, in the third period. And, of course, uh, Garcia Vasquez went on to reach the 115 final, uh, lost to uh, Rihanna Utterbach um, in the championship match. But you had that win from uh, Garcia Vasquez over Sack, uh, and then that was followed um, – by April Hauser of Cedar Falls, the number nine seed as well. Um, she uh, she pinned uh, Abigail Meyer, who was uh, original champion in Cedar Rapids. Uh, but Hauser was winning 4-0 in the second and pinned Meyer um, to move on to the semifinals. And uh, number four seed, uh, Camille uh, Schutt from Waverly Shower Rock ended up uh making the finals and winning the 120 pound uh title um over the three seed smith from um or i'm sorry the 14 seed leah chandler from sheridan in, in that one so um you know you also had uh uh musser uh, Animosa winning by uh, a medical forfeit over Mackenzie Childers um, in that quarterfinal round as well at 130. She made the finals, lost to uh, number 10 seed uh, Kobe Tenborg from Saydell. You know, so you have a 14 seed and a 10 seed winning. And of course, 
10 board, I tell you what, was really impressive. She she went through the number seven, the number two, uh, the number three. Um, and the top three seeds at this weight class were uh, pretty phenomenal. Um, and said, uh, Trenberg went all the way through, you know, uh, won by major decision in the finals. Uh, was really, really impressive. Uh, the note that I'll mention about uh, Mackenzie Childers, unfortunately, uh, during her second round match, she suffered what they believed was a concussion. Um, went back to the hotel, got got sick, and if it, anybody that's had concussions before, uh, you know that once vomiting happens, that uh, that's a telltale sign. Um, you have a concussion, and and it's not uh, oh, it's it's not a light thing. Even though there aren't grades of concussions, a concussion is a concussion, but that you know it's pretty serious. Uh, she thought she was feeling better, came back, tried to drill and warm up, and uh, start realizing things weren't right, and they had the medical forfeit. So unfortunate, unfortunate end for uh, Childress, who was putting together another great season. Um, she'll be back next year looking for her second title um, as well. But um, that was just part of that streak that, uh, you know, Thursday night some crazy things happened. And, and that's what uh, I think uh, makes wrestling so fun. Um, and, KJ, that, that, and you're starting to see that more with the girls. Right. And that that's at 126, right? So you had um, – or, or uh, my right with it, Musser from Anamosa, Peterson from Bettendorf. Am I saying that? Thinking that right? And then uh, Childress at from Prairie. Yes. Yep. In the top half of that bracket. Yep. So all three of those, of course, were at the at the Anamosa Invitational, and um, oh wow, Childress beat Peterson. If I remember right, as a major, pretty handily, might have been a wow. major or or worse type fall. And uh, um, and then uh, Musser was third, so Musser then beat Peterson in the semifinals. Then, right? Yeah, so uh, had a first period fall. Um, it was tied two two. Um, Peterson got the opening takedown. Musser with a reversal and put her on her back. Uh, got the fall in one twenty eight. Right, and I'll just finish with this. In terms of uh, Kinsey Childers, th th there's. There's no match that's ever worth that, uh, the health of, of a child or an athlete if you're a coach. And, and so they absolutely made the right decision. And uh, uh, it's as hard of a pill as that is to, to swallow. And particularly that day when you're watching people that you beat move on and advance, that's that's difficult. But that's the right call. I mean, it's it, that's a no-brainer. Yep. You have to do that. Yep. And Zach Pacheco, that's one of, that's one of the things, uh, you know, I remember covering Zach Pachichka, uh as a wrestler at Prairie. Uh, have really loved seeing how he's grown and has become a uh, a very good coach. And talking to you know, just kind of uh, grabbing him after one of the matches and said, "Hey, uh, you know what happened?" and kind of explain the situation. And he said exactly what you said that you know we got to. You know, maybe she could have gone, but you know what? No, and it's not worth it. Uh, you know, she'll be back. There's other 
things in the future to look forward to here. You got to make the smart choice, and you know she had a medical forfeit. So, um, hats off to Zach Pachichka. Um He's, I, I think he's really turned into a top-notch coach there, and uh, has done it at Solon, and now at his alma mater, Prairie, and uh, I'm really impressed by that. And he echoed exactly what you said. I agree that he's done a great job, and he's really taken the reins and you know steered that program. And, and uh, you know he obviously had a superstar in Childers, but uh, um, but they've done a nice job, Coach and Kenzie, of of recruiting the numbers in that program. Because if I remember right, two or three years ago there were there was one or two girls on that team, and now mm-hmm. there's thirty. I think, if I you know I think that's what when we cover them what they had somewhere close to that. And uh, so, well done. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, just kind of looking at uh, uh, some of the other uh, efforts from our area. Uh, Libby Dix, um, she, uh, you know, she provided one of those uh, so-called upsets at, uh, at 190. Uh, you know, she had a big... Uh, Big pin in the semifinals over Bella Porcelli um, of Southeast Polk, the number one seed, 49 uh, in two. And, uh, you know, uh, Dix, a finalist last year, lost to Naomi Simon uh, in the 170 uh, finals a year ago. Dix uh, gets a big pin there and then uh, a pin in the finals. And I I cannot think of another instance where a wrestler pretty much reversed somebody to their back in in the final two matches and the semis and the finals to come away uh, with pins um, and a state title like that. I mean, that was something she said she worked on her, her wrestling in the bottom position. Um, that was one of her focuses, and man, uh, to get reversals in in pins, uh, like she did in the finals and uh, semifinals against the top two seeds, that was pretty uh, impressive. Right, if, if I recall, she was down quite a bit late in the match and hit a roll to reversal and near uh, in uh, pin for for the win. I think that was the semifinals I against Southeast. Was- Semi-final, she was down 3 nothing in the three third. Nothing? Okay, and I thought it was... Rate. Yep. Okay, yeah. Yep. Good. That's neat. Good for good for Libby and, and uh, her family and that wrestling community out in Mount Vernon. That's cool. Yep. Um, and then a uh, couple of uh, finalists. Uh, Brianna Peach, uh, a runner-up at 235. She fell in the finals uh, to Olivia Huckfelt, um, a two-time... Champ, who finished off an unbeaten season, uh, Huck felt uh, has been dominant uh, pretty much uh, her whole career. Um, I think she's going to Iowa um, as well, but uh, she pinned her way through the bracket that I think had uh, the top three seeds were really, really strong with her, Peach, and uh, Ella Brown. Uh, Peach uh, with a fall over Brown in the semis. Um, you know, all three were un, 
Uh, I think they had like uh, oh 107 combined wins coming into the mat, uh, coming into the tournament. Uh, so they they were uh, really impressive, and Huck felt uh, beats Peach there uh, in the finals as well. And then Decora's uh, runner-up, Chloe Sheffield, at 100. Um, you know, she was the number six seed. Uh, had a major decision to open things out and then had three pins to get to the finals where she lost to Katie uh, Biscaglia 5-1 uh, in the championship. Uh, got a kick out of uh, talking to her. She she talked about how uh, she's one of seven kids, so she's got six siblings. She's the second oldest. So she talked about how her and her siblings always wrestled and kind of roughhoused and and rolled around, and she was like, well, if I do this all the time anyway, why don't I compete and, and do it for uh, for a reason? And that's how she became uh, a wrestler. Um, and now she's a state uh, finalist, a state runner-up. Uh, pretty cool. She even, uh, So after she won her semifinal match, I think, uh, Naomi Simon ended up carrying her to the field house where, you know, where they are, they warm up and everything. Um, and we kind of asked about their friendship and she goes, you know, it's funny because, uh, I was like super intimidated by her when I came out. Um, I was afraid of her. Uh, you know, she was a state champ and she was like, we've become best friends through wrestling. And, and, uh, uh, I, I thought that was a pretty cool, uh, Side note, to, to her coming out and being successful. Um, hadn't really been a, a wrestling person before uh, she decided to give it a try. And uh, it's not only come with success, but also uh, some relationships along the way, which I think is a uh, perfect um, – it's just perfect uh, uh, turnout. Right, and that's not a new phenomenon, but it's kind of new for right. the girls because the girls haven't been wrestling probably through their youth, like maybe a brother-brother situation where they might have been doing some youth wrestling along the way. Um, right. You know, so, you know, families, you know, we, we see that all the time. So, you know, brothers and, you know, dads and, you know, now their sons and daughters are wrestling. And uh, like when you're, like I was thinking Halzer, uh, we mentioned Halzer from Cedar Falls. Oh, yeah. And uh, I've heard, I assume it's her dad, Greg Halzer. Was a, Greg Halzer, yep. Was a, for the team, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, there, there you go, that family, that family connection. But that's a that's a cool story for sure. Uh, Got to give a shout out to East Buck, too. They finished second in the team race, or tied for second with Raccoon River Northwest uh, with 96 uh, points. Um, they did not have a finalist. So that tells you um, a little bit about their uh, depth and, and what they were able to do uh, as a team as a whole. Um, to finish tied for second um, and, uh, um, you know, you're, you're finishing ahead of Waverly Shell Rock and, and much – larger schools 
Um, you know, remember they're usually one A or A in uh, in most sports. So uh, for them to finish second or tied for second, um, and do that without you know like a major point score, um, like some of these other teams had, that that tells you the balance and the depth that they have, and uh, you know the good numbers. Uh, just kind of looking at what they're able to do here. Uh, they had four place winners. Um, Brooklyn Graham was third at 190. Um, she finished off with a win over uh, Porcelli, the top seed from Southeast Polk, um, to get third. You had Allison Crum at 235 that finished fourth. Uh, she had a big win over Ella Brown in the, on the backside. Um and in the Concy semis. And then you had Taylor Stifle, um, who got fourth at 145. She reached the semifinals uh, and then lost to Anastasia Simon from Nakora um, in the placing match. But um, a good tournament for her as well. And then Edwin Kabalka was seventh at 140. Um, and I think just about every, even the, the girls that didn't place won. Uh, at least one match and two others, one, two. So, um, you know, that tells you the team um, strength there with East Buck and what they were able to accomplish. Right. And uh, KJ, you had, did you uh, get a hotel room or anything down there? I had kidney because it's so close, a short drive. <laughs> three days in a row, right? Right. So uh, we pretty, we just uh, had an air mattress that uh, that we blew up and put under the uh, uh, media table, <laughs> so so we could write our stories, catch a nap, and then be there ready to go for uh, the next day. <laughs> right. Thursday, Friday, the girls, and then Saturday for the boys uh, state duels. How was that? Uh, the state duels. Well, I tell you, um, you know, I. I I think uh, I think three A kind of went as maybe expected, right? Other than that, uh, you had some some upsets. Two A was probably the most uh, unpredictable. That I think Clint Kudum said it best when I talked to him after his semifinal win uh, over uh, Osage that. Uh, you could wrestle this uh, next weekend and the placing would come out different. You know, you could wrestle it the weekend after that and it would be something else different as well. Um, you had match, you had uh, multiple duels coming down to, they weren't decided until the final bout. It, it was probably the most competitive one through eight field Um I, I really remember uh, the crowd. The crowd was good. Um, one of the things that I I really like with uh, uh, the Extreme Arena is it's all general admission. So you would have uh, a team that wrestled on one side of the arena, and their fans would flock over there and be in the stands. And then there's this almost unwritten um, uh, policy that 
even if you liked where you were sitting, you would get up and, and move to follow your team wherever they were wrestling at. Um, and I think that made it for uh, uh, a pretty fun atmosphere because uh, the crowds were were into it and you're right there um, near your near your mat uh, cheering your team on. So kind of like that instead of having assigned tickets and seats and you might be on one side of the arena for the first round and then your team's wrestling on the other side and you're stuck uh, having to yell across a whole nother duel and uh, having to look through um, what was going on on the mat right in front of you. So uh, I really like that. And I think the, I think it's a great venue for the state duels as well as uh, the girls tournament. And it really, I think it really becomes a wrestling festival. I described that a, a few times in things I've written and uh, talked to people, but it really has become a three-day wrestling festival down there for high school wrestling. And it, I think it's pretty cool um, from top to bottom. Would you say that the arena was sold out? Did you see uh, the state duels? Yeah, for, for both, for the girls and for the state duels? Uh so the uh, the first session for the girls' tournament was sold out. Um, I think uh, uh, for the finals on Friday night, they had about 3,600, um, probably about 12 or 1,300 short of a sellout. Um, so there's still room to grow. Uh, the, other, the middle two sessions of the girls' tournament were not sold out. I don't know what the attendance numbers uh, for the uh, – the state duels, but um, I don't believe those were sold out. Okay. Here. So, so I, that was my question. Is it, is it ready for a new arena or it sounds like there's still room for growth? I, so. I don't think so. I think there's still, um, I think there's still a little, little time before, you know, uh, there's still probably about, Oh, 1,300 to 1,400 people, 1,500 people maybe in those middle sessions that still, you know, aren't there um, for the girls. So uh, the arena still, you know, that first session, that first session is packed, right? you know, and, and you see that with everything. Um, but if the other sessions catch up to that, then you're probably looking at hosts, maybe inquiring about Carver Hawkeye Arena as a as a place to Okay. So. Yeah, I wondered about that. I was down there last year and it was I wondered what, what the difference was this year and wasn't able to get there this year, but but uh so it's growing. That's good. Yes. Yeah, for sure. I for agree sure. with you on two A being uh, being crazy close mat meets uh and you're right could have you know wrestled again of different results you know each time but but uh, pretty exciting. Um, it, I, I'm telling you, it, it was crazy. I, I mean, that. I mean, the minute you thought, "Oh, hey, this team's going on a run," um, and and it was going to go down as maybe uh, you would think on paper, something would change, and it would swing back towards the other team, and you know, it, it just it was pretty amazing to to kind of watch, you know, really all eight teams um, 
you know, uh, compete. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't think I don't think any of the teams finished. No, I take that back. There's one team. One team finished where they were seated out of eight teams. That was Independence. They were seated sixth, and they placed sixth. Uh, Osage was one, and they got third. Mount Vernon was two. They got fourth. Preston was three. They got first. Uh, West Delaware was fourth, and they got seventh. Uh, Sergeant Luton was fifth, and they got second. Um I mentioned Independence. Algona was seventh, and they finished eighth. And then Humboldt was eighth, and they finished fifth. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, and, think, uh, I think that's wild. And Indianola lost that fifth and sixth place meet by 31 to 30, like you said, close. But <laughs> Independence is, you know, that, if you remember the very first podcast we had, who's the, the team I, my the team that I pulled that could move up into the top eight? Top eight was independence they weren't even in the top 10 maybe even 15 at that time so uh way to go to uh independence and the mustangs so yep and actually, uh both mustangs mount vernon as well in 2a yep <laughs> um yeah so creston uh they came away with a 36 33 win in the finals over sergeant bluff luton that wasn't decided until the final match uh Preston with a, a decision at 190, I believe, the final weight there um, to win. Uh, and, of course, Sergeant Bluff-Luton, um, they made the finals for the first time in, in school history. Um, they uh, they went down to the final match. Uh, their last two matches against Osage in the semifinals, uh, they bumped uh, wrestlers up. Bo Kudum moved from 157 to 165 and got a fall. Um, and then Xavion Ellington um, beat Max Gast in a, a battle of ranked wrestlers 3-0 um, at 175, both moving up from 165. Um, so Sergeant bluff Fluton was able to finish off the 36-33 win. You could see the excitement. Uh you know, they huddled up, they, they're cheering and, and jumping up and down, and they ran over to the uh the wall the arena wall between the the floor and the, the stands. They're celebrating with some fans. Um, you know, Ellington uh said kind of saw how it was playing out, knew it was gonna come down to a sh- you know, come down on his shoulders, saw what uh Bo Kudum was was able to do and realized he had to go out and perform, wanted to do it for uh, his team and, and everybody uh, was Sergeant Bluff Luton and he was able to come through uh, there. And, you know, uh, talking to Clint Kudum after uh, that win, you know, this is a program uh, kind of wrestling against some blue bloods, right? West Delaware has been in the mix for long over a decade uh, with multiple, uh, uh, state titles. Osage has been, you know, uh, uh, you know, the history there and the tradition with Osage is is outstanding. And, uh, you know, here you've got Sergeant Bluff Luton that, you know, first they were first they were seventh and then they were sixth, you know, then they were five and then the last few years they went three uh, or four, three, two now. And they just slowly climbed up that ladder and 
I think he's got some good things going on uh, there at Sergeant Bluff Luton and uh, certainly, um, you know, something to continue to build off of. And he mentioned that the wrestlers on his team right now, uh, you know, they really did not want to drop the baton. He mentioned how they need to improve and they lost some guys to graduation last year and, and they were really focused on being able to carry the torch, as he said. So they did a fine job getting second there to Creston, who I think won its first title since uh, maybe 2009. Um, so Creston uh, has gone a little um, a little time since winning that uh, uh, championship, but has come back and was impressive this weekend, especially in their win over Mount Vernon. Boy, they look phenomenal. Mount Vernon, you know, we've talked about Mount Vernon many times and, and how much uh, we really like their lineup and their team. And uh, Creston really racked up some bonus points and got some big wins and won 44-24 to get to the finals. Right. And then Osage also handled Mount Vernon a little more than I thought they might as well, 44-28 for third and fourth, but you never know what, you know, with third and fourth where kids' minds are. And, uh, you know, if, even if they have the, their starting lineup, I'm sure they did, but you know, some schools may not, they might throw in some reserves to give them a chance to wrestle in the state duels. So, right. Or yep. you... um, just looking at three, a really quick, you know, Southeast Polk, uh, you know, they rolled to their first title, um, since 2020, uh, they beat Bettendorf 48-16 in the finals. Uh, that was after kind of thumping Waverly Shellrock 54-24 and Fort Dodge 53-18. So dominant performance from the Rams um, there. Uh, I know the two of us, we went back and forth. Or we uh, were split on that semifinal between Bettendorf and Indy Nolan. Bettendorf won 31-30. Yeah, and then and then uh, Fort Dodge beat Indianola thirty to twenty nine. So really close ma matches there. But Southeast Polk, man, they beat Waverly, really Shell Rock, Fort Dodge, and Bettendorf. That's three pretty decent wins. <laughs> mm -hmm. So speaking of blue bloods, Hempstead yeah. finished, finished uh, seventh, right? Finished seventh, beat Waverly, really Shell Rock, seventh and eighth, forty two yep. to thirty seven. Correct. So an Ankeny Centennial uh, there got fifth uh, over Waukee Northwest as well. Uh, in Class 1A, um, boy, I tell you, um, Don Bosco uh, had a great, uh, great tournament, uh, real fun and uh, competitive, energetic uh, uh, final between Don Bosco and Alvernet, number three and number one going at it. Uh, it's Don Bosco who started as number three seed, came away with uh, their 14th title overall, fourth straight dual title. Um, Don's win 45-31, and, and a lot of that had to do with uh, the the finish, the closing there. That duel was back and forth uh, for the through the first ten weight classes, but. Uh, in the upper weights, Don Bosco took over, finished with four straight wins. Uh, pins from Kyler Kanak and Andrew Kimball at 57 and 65. 
decision from Caden Kinnick at 175, and then Landon Fernandez with a fall at 190 to cap things. Um, 45-31 over Alvernet. Um, you know, so uh, just uh, this Don Bosco team uh, a lot better than they were earlier in the year. I think they were missing some uh, teams, and uh, they did uh, outstanding uh, with a win over Jessup to start, and then beating Wilton, and then finishing things off with a uh, big win over Albernet. Right, and they and they were uh, sizable wins. Uh, the win over Wilton, who we think is – we've been talking about all year, 45-20, and then over Albernet, 45-31, like you said. And this was another weight – uh, wait, another uh, bracket that was kind of topsy-turvy. Yeah, Jessup, who we've mentioned as their first ever uh, um, wrestling in the state duels, they were seated seventh, finished fifth. Uh, they beat Hinton 45-27 in Wapsie Valley – by the same score. And then Wapsie Valley was seeded eighth and finished sixth. So they both of them wrestled above their seeds. Um, so uh, kind of neat to see that as well. So. And the one thing about Jessup too, uh, uh, so the seniors in this Jessup group, which made its first state duels appearance, talking to Matt Gross, the, the coach, after uh, uh, that uh, consolation win, uh, I believe it was over Hinton, maybe. Um, look here. Right. Yeah, uh, their constellation went over Hinton. Uh, talked to him for a, a moment, and he mentioned these seniors, like when they're in eighth grade or freshman, you know, they were like two and 14 or one and 15, something like that. You know, one or two wins, double digit losses. And now look where they're at. Uh, I believe they said it's. School record with 22 dual wins this year. Uh, they finished fifth in their first uh, state duels appearance. You know, beat Lisbon, uh, you know, one of those perennial powers in the regional duels to get here. Hosted a regional duel. That tells you a lot about just how uh, how much growth this, uh, this program has had. And he said, you know, uh, we're not going anywhere anytime soon. Uh, I think they only graduate uh, a few seniors. Uh, they've got a lot of talent coming back. He's like, we, you know, we've got some youth stuff established, so we're going to have some incoming freshmen that are going to be contributors. So I think this is just kind of a a cornerstone um, for Jessup to to kind of build on. Right. I mean. That's exciting. I think they had, if I'm not certain, uh, a young blood on the team as well that may have stayed home. And uh, Dex. instead of uh, heading over to Don Bosco. So that's that's impressive in its own right right there. So. Mm -hmm. um, and, and Albernet, you know, uh, that's, a, that's another team. You know, they, I think they only have two or three seniors in their entire lineup. You know, they've got uh, the majority of their big guns coming back. So um, we're going to see Alvernet, Don Bosco, uh, Jessup. Um, you know, we're going to see these teams back at it again, I think, in a similar position next year, too. I would agree. 
You know, uh, one thing with uh, Class 1A, uh, I do want to mention here, the the state duels field um, kind of led to some really interesting uh, individual matchups as well. A um, couple ones versus twos that we had throughout the day. A um, couple, uh, Hayden Schwab. Ranked number one at 106, faced Aiden Bergman of Jessup, number two, and, and Schwab was absolutely dominant. Um, built, uh, might have been a 12-point lead or so um, before he got a fall in two minutes and 54 seconds. Um, and then in the uh, Albertette-Nashua Plainfield duel, um, you had one versus two. You had a state finals versus a state champ. Uh, you had uh, Jaden Rinkin of Nashville Plainfield, who was a returning state champ against the finalist and rowdy neighbor. Neighbor comes away with a 2-1 victory there that really uh, kind of sparked Albernet to like eight straight wins and pull away from Nashville Plainfield in the semifinals for a 47-21 victory there. Um, so with the state duels, you're still getting those individual matchups that, um, you know, you very well could see down in Des Moines on a, uh, a Friday or even Saturday night. And one thing I'll add too, don't ever, ever call Albernet wrestlers and their coaching staff soft. I'll just mention that in passing. <laughs> I don't believe I ever have, but I, I certainly won't start now. <laughs> it would be good not to. Um, any other uh, thoughts from, from state duels? Do you like the timing of this? Oh, yeah, much better. Absolutely. I, I absolutely love it. And, yeah. uh, you know, I'll be honest, I don't miss sectionals. Uh, I think sectionals was, I think that time had passed. Uh, especially with what we're having for uh, some of the, the fields and brackets out of those sectionals. I think this is much better for state duels. I I like the all-district competition for all three classes. Um, so I, I really like the positioning of state duels. And it's a little bit of a quick turnaround having regional duels on a Tuesday um, and this on a, on a Saturday. But you know, uh, it's it's one I think I'd happily accept because I think it just works out so, so good here uh, at this time of year. Right. And one residual of the of the uh, regional duels is that uh, they're allowing teams to pick up a 16th date uh, if they don't make the regional duels. So uh, so I had I worked a meet down in in uh, Marengo. Iowa Valley on oh. Monday and one down at uh, um, uh, on Tuesday at uh, West Liberty, which Cedars Kennedy was at in Assumption. So uh, you know, so that you can pick up those those extra duels, and because otherwise it's a long, it's like two weeks between your last competition and districts. So sure. so that's nice that the teams are allowed to do that. So yeah, break that gap up a little bit. Right. And speaking of districts, districts this Saturday. Um, all three classes, I believe 10 o'clock start uh, at each site. Um, 
I'm going to whip through the the uh, 3A uh, or the districts with area teams starting in 3A. Um, we've got Linmar and Marion heading to Ames for the 3A district uh, that has uh, Bondurant, Farrar, Cedar Falls, Denison, Schleswig, West Des Moines, Dowling, uh, and Sioux City East um, in there with Linmar, Marion, and the hosts. Uh, at Bentendorf, uh, you've got the Bulldogs with Burlington, Clear Creek, Amana, Devonport Central, Devonport West, Fort Madison, City High, and Muscatine. Um, at Dubuque Hempstead, uh, you've got Clinton, Devonport North, uh, the Mustangs, Senior, North Scott, Pleasant Valley, Waverly Shell Rock, Western Dubuque um, there. Cedar Rapids Xavier is heading west to Marshalltown. They'll face, uh, they're in a field with Boone, uh, the Bobcats, Mason City, Pella, Southeast Polk, Urbandale, Waterloo East, and Waterloo West. Um, and I will be at Cedar Rapids Prairie. Uh, Ankeny Centennial is coming over. And then you've got Jefferson, Kennedy, Washington, Iowa City, Liberty, Iowa City, West, Newton, and Prairie. Uh, of course, Prairie, uh, MVC champs. Uh, Iowa City West, I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, some of the Trojans, uh, especially Alexander Pierce, the defending state champ, Justin Avila, uh, to name a couple there from Iowa City West in the field at Prairie. Um, in Class 2A, just kind of looking at uh, the local hosts, uh, Independence will host the site. Uh, with BCLUWSH, Clarion Clear Goldfield Dows, uh, quite a few hyphens um, there between some of the schools. Decora, East Marshall, GMG, um, Hampton, Dumont, Cal, uh, O-Line, and Union will be up there. So um, some really good individual talent up there. Uh, Solon has a, a pretty fun – um, could be really competitive uh, district with Comanche, Central DeWitt, Columbus Community, Mid Prairie, Mount Vernon, uh, the Spartans, Tipton, and West Liberty. So uh, Mount Vernon, uh, certainly the leader there, but I think uh, each of those teams has some good individuals. West Delaware, welcome. Benton Community, Center Point Urbana, Maquoketa, Monticello, uh, New Hampton, Turkey Valley, Northeast, and Wallert. And then Williamsburg will host Anamosa, Davis County, uh, Eddieville, Blakesburg, Fremont, Grinnell, South Tama, Vinton, Shellsburg, uh, Washington, and Williamsburg. That district really, really intrigues me uh, because you've got some outstanding wrestlers from Anamosa, uh, you know, the Scrantons, Wheeler, uh, to name a couple uh, from Anamosa. Then you got South Tama where you have uh, – you know, uh, wrestlers like Amari Chavez, uh, Gavin Bridgewater, who's a, a state finalist, two-time place winner. Um, you know, uh, McCall Bear, I believe, uh, as well. Um, Washington has Aaron Boone um, and a couple of the Griner kids, uh, I believe. Uh, and then you've got Williamsburg with uh, Niall Sin um, and, and a few other uh, Shrop, uh, I believe Lincoln Shrop. Um, uh, and I'm blanking on their heavyweight that came out, suffered a neck injury in football. Um, 
and then was able to come out for the second half and was a, a finalist uh, in the Womit Conference Tournament um, as well. So uh, I tell you what, Williamsburg might be uh, one of the, the most competitive districts in in this area in 2A. Uh, in Class 1A, our area hosts uh, MFL Marmac, has Bellevue, Cascade, Alcatraz Central, Clayton Ridge, East Buck, Jessup, as we mentioned from the duels, uh, Postville, Starmont, and uh, Sumner Fredericksburg. Um, and then not quite in the area, but adjacent, um, we got uh, Wilton, who has Durant, Highland, Lisbon, uh, Louisa Muscatine, Maquoketa Valley, Midland, New London, North Cedar, Waco, Wapolo, um, as well as the Beavers. And then uh, the one I thought was really, really, uh, I don't know, maybe I just, I'm not really good on geography, but I thought this was kind of an odd placing. Alvernet goes to South Hamilton uh, for their district. Um, and that's got AGWSR, Bell Plain. Uh, Waterloo, Columbus, Earlham, HLV, Iowa Valley, North Butler, North Tama, and South Hamilton, uh, the host. So maybe maybe I'm not picturing exactly where South Hamilton is, but I thought that was kind of an odd placement for, for Albert. Nett. Well, I imagine a lot of that is separating the quality, the, the, the higher uh, ranked teams and trying to get them not in the same district and trying to spread that out a little bit. Uh, sure, so sure. now I should mention that 3A has eight districts and three wrestlers from each district qualify. 2A and 1A have 12 districts and two wrestlers qualify. So each bracketed state will have 24 wrestlers. Right. Um, I, and I think that's, uh, I don't see that alignment changing anytime soon. Do you like that? I mean, having it split up with, with 8 and 12? Well, I don't know how you're going to do it any other way, but right. I like 24 wrestlers in the bracketed state rather than 16. I do. Uh, and, uh, you know, you know, 16, it was nice because you know, I remember state when it was 8. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, so, um, you know, we've grown. It's the sport, like I was talking about the numbers and tee it up. The numbers are, are at an all-time high right now, probably in the state and definitely in the nation. And, uh, you know, so let's reward those kids. When Don, when Don wrestled Gable in the finals, how many, how many qualifiers went to the Cattle Congress in Waterloo? I believe eight. Now, okay. that's, that was true when I was a senior, too. Okay. Because they're they're messing around with it. So when I was a sophomore, junior, and senior, the brackets were were totally different. Okay. So let me see. Let me, let's see. No, I'm sorry. My junior, senior, and the year after my senior year, they were they were different. They were just messing around with it. So like in my my year, the year before, I think twelve guys were in the bracket at state, and the year after, twelve guys. But my year, eight guys. But that was a sixteen oh. district that lasted for two, two days. <laughs> oh, wow. It was a mess. Wow. Yeah. And I, I even remember one of the things that I, I'm glad they changed in the, I believe in the mid eighties. I remember when, uh, uh, Larry, my older brother, Regis qualified. And, uh, back then they had, they had a rep, 
uh, repetage, kind of repetage, whatever, you know, kind of what uh, the Olympics do, where uh, you're, if you lost before the semifinals, uh, you were pulled back in if the wrestler that beat you made the finals. So yeah. you, you had to, if you got upset first round, you had to sit and wait, hoping that uh, your your fate was resting in the hands of the person that beat for you right. to be able to come back and, and wrestle in the consolations. I'm glad they went back to kind of a true consolation, or they went to a true consolation um, and placing out through six back then. And then uh, was it the mid-90s? They start, or mid to late-90s, they start placing eight instead of six. Right. Uh, double elimination from the from the repertoire, which is go figure. They do that at the Olympics and at the world level. I'm like, what? <laughs> so I mean that makes no sense, but that's what they do, I guess. So. Yep. So it, it's fun to see how the the state tournament has evolved and will continue. Right. Kudos to Louis Curtis and company for for really, in some instances, you know, gambling a little bit. To make you know, but it's definitely better, I, I think, you know, in the long run. And of course that starts from a from a, a week from today. We're we're recording this on on Wednesday, uh February seventh. So a week from today we'll be in uh, Wells Fargo Arena uh for the state tournament. Uh any any parting thoughts or, or anything about the the district fields um coming up? No, today's Wednesday. When I was a coach, today was mock district day. So you go through the go through the uh, district as if not as if you won because it's easy when you win. You just win, win, win. But it's when you don't win. What's your mindset and talking through that process? So you know, if you lose second round, you still back then you had a, a possibly two more matches to wrestle, and still mm -hmm. you're still uh, you know eligible to go to state. So. Um, but that's when you wrestle back to true second. Now that with three A, you're wrestling back to, or you're they're doing uh, taking three, so it's a little bit different. So, but anyway, it's mock mock tournament day. <laughs> cool, cool. All right. Well, uh, we'll we'll go a little earlier in the week next week uh, to get the state uh, state tournament preview podcast um, recorded. Um, Again, uh, we appreciate everybody that uh, that watches along with us each week. Uh, we've heard some really cool feedback from from people, and, and that uh, that makes our day. Just because we do that for we do this for you guys. I mean, obviously, we enjoy doing it and talking wrestling with each other, but we also do it for the people that uh, view in um, or, or tune in and, and view what we do each week. So, thank you guys for watching. Coach Briggs, uh, on the move. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.